you, Anne. Anne's going to make sure that uh, I'm heard. But we are here again because Christ calls us together as one body of Christ, remembering especially today one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It is a joy to share with you all in this time of worship. We're especially blessed by the presence of those guests who may be with us. We thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning, and we'll just invite you to sign the registration pads as you find those to your right or left because it helps us to know that you share in worship at First Church this morning. As we worship this morning, we do remember the one faith, Lord, baptism in which we share, remembering that many of our brothers and sisters from the United Methodist Church are gathered at this moment in St. Louis to make some decisions regarding the stance of our discipline, the language of our discipline regarding issues of sexuality. So we've come to celebrate the fact that God has united us, has called us together in worship and service, and to remember that we are able to do wonderful things together, united as the body of Christ in the church of God. I do encourage you to remember this special session of General Conference in prayer. It uh, began yesterday officially and will continue through Tuesday. If you'd like to check this out, you may simply go to the United Methodist Church website, and there are some live streaming options there for you to follow the proceedings. As we gather, it's also an important time that we want to celebrate the ministries of Annette Huckfelt. Uh, there will be a reception following this time of worship. I hope you will all find your way to the fellowship hall. A wonderful display of hospitality, some wonderful uh, aroma of food is there as well. So we just want to gather and give thanks to God for the ministries in which we have shared with Annette and to uh, pay tribute for the gifts that she has shared in ministry. We're grateful as well that Annette will remain with us uh, here at First Church beyond today. Do give attention to the ministry opportunities as they are before you, remembering that a week from Wednesday uh, is Ash Wednesday. We will share in midweek Lenten services each Wednesday during Lent. We will meet here at 12 o'clock for that service, and I'm excited about some different leadership for those services as well. As we share in the celebration of our Lord's Supper this morning, it is a brief service of the Lord's Supper that is used each Wednesday during Lent when we gather here for worship. So as we worship this morning with the Lord's Supper, there will be no congregational responses. It is a brief form, and you will have a foretaste of what those services will be like during the season of Lent. I invite us to prepare to worship God together.
We stand as we share in our call to worship. <clears throat> We have come together as one. We will worship together as one. We are being empowered as one by one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, in the name of the three in one, we act as one. One people giving witness to the power of one. Thank you, Brian Joyce and Carrie Mitchell, for being with us in this time of worship. Our opening prayer is before us. I invite us to worship God as we share in these words of prayer. Gentle God, we have traveled through many waters to reach this place, but share one baptism. We arrive from different backgrounds and traditions, yet share one faith. We are, each of us, unique and precious to God and are members of one body. We have different dreams and doubts, yet our hearts beat with one hope. We are graced with different gifts, so we may offer them in service to one Lord. God in community, holy in one, equip us for the work of ministry as we pray together with one voice, as Jesus has taught us. Amen. We share the word of God first as it comes to us 
from the book of Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, verses 1 through 8. Let us pray. Pour your spirit upon us. Illumine and inspire these words that they may find home within us, that they may draw us nearer to you and may inspire us to greater service out of our love for you and our love for our neighbor. Amen. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to rend, and a time to sow. A time to keep silence, and a time to speak. Time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This is the word of our Lord. These are also words shared on the occasion of the witness to resurrection for Puck Kaiser. So I find it to be a great joy as we share in this time of worship to remember Puck's enduring witness and to know his presence among us within God's communion of saints. Thanks be to God.
our children come as we share now in our children's time. Good to see you this morning. I'm glad you're here. We're inside where it's nice and warm and dry. Because it's, it's, you want bread? Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to have some bread, but we will be patient. You can see it's worth waiting for, trust me. I have some bread before me. And let me ask you, it, it, it sounds like we like bread. We enjoy bread. Do we have a, a favorite type of bread, or a favorite way to enjoy bread, yes. we like the crust, okay? Yes. Bread is joy. I like that. Thank you. I like that, Ryder. Bread is joy. That's especially true this morning. And bread is also something that shows up many times as we read our scriptures. We may remember that as, as Moses and the people of God journeyed through the wilderness to the promised land. God fed them with bread from heaven. We will remember that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he was tempted to turn all these stones into bread. We remember that when Jesus fed multitudes of people, he fed them with some fish, but also with a few loaves of bread. We remember that Jesus said, I am the, anyone? I am the bread of life. And we remember especially this morning that the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his disciples and he broke the bread. And he said, this is my body. So that's what we will be doing as part of this worship. As this, as this beautiful material says here, we do this in remembrance of Jesus remembering that as this is one loaf, we, though many, are one people, one body, gathered as the body of Christ. So we are grateful that bread is joy, especially this morning, because we, with this bread, in this loaf of bread, we remember the presence of Christ with us, the one who, who said to us that we should pray for our daily bread, and the one who is, tells us that he is the bread of life. So I look forward to sharing with you in this bread later on in this time of worship. Let us pray, children, and if you will, repeat after me. We thank you, Lord, for our daily bread, for the many ways you feed us. We thank you for this bread and for the time to remember you're with us. Amen.
from the letter to the Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 16, we hear the word of our Lord. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is he who also has ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things." And his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth, and upbuilds itself in love. This is the word of our Lord. Well, while I was serving a church in Colonial Heights before moving to Martinsville, I traveled one morning to one of our district clergy meetings. This was not an unusual occurrence, but the reason for this particular meeting was somewhat unusual. Because shortly before this district meeting, one of the pastors on the district, Reverend Ed Johnson, had been disciplined by Charlene Kammerer, then Bishop of the Virginia Conference. Reverend Johnson had refused to carry out his ministerial duties in accordance with the wishes of the bishop. When given further opportunity to abide by her demands, Reverend Johnson still refused. So the bishop removed him from his church. Her decision to take this action was subject to a vote by clergy at annual conference, and the clergy, including me, voted in support of our bishop. So at this district meeting, Bishop Kammerer was present so as to provide opportunity for discussion of her decision, to explain the rationale behind her action, and to speak of what this meant for Reverend Johnson and for other clergy of this conference. As we concluded our discussion that morning, we moved into a time of worship, worship which would include the celebration of the Lord's Supper presiding over the bread and cup at the table of the Lord would be Bishop Kammerer and the Reverend Ed Johnson. I share this with you this morning because I find this to be a powerfully symbolic act of worship, an act making its point well. It was an act in which the bishop said, though we disagree about the carrying out of specific ministerial duties, though there are serious consequences for your disobedience of my authority, 
we are still united in Christ. United in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, at one table. That has not changed. There needs to be witness to this enduring and unbreakable unity. I find this a compelling memory appropriate to General Conference now taking place in St. Louis. It is a conference in which we anticipate some disagreement within the church, which we should know by now is really nothing new. It's also a conference in which I pray, despite such disagreement, we find ourselves united still at the table of our Lord. The current bishop of this conference, Sharma Lewis, reminds us this is not too much to hope for. She writes in anticipation of general conference, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians, it is God who can do more than we can ask or imagine. I hope the Virginia Conference will trust in our Lord together. The reason I hold out hope for this denomination's unity is because I know what we can do together. I have seen it. Our conference has been historically and consistently one of the strongest supporters of the missional connection. Our small and large membership churches through shared ministry and apportionments, connectional giving, help support global ministries and over 350 missionaries in 60 countries. We have been a part of the church's growth in countries such as Cambodia, Brazil, and Mozambique through our unique conference initiatives of Hope Missional Partnership Team. We have supported church construction and lay and clergy leadership in Cambodia and Mozambique. We've started educational advancement through school and dormitory construction and scholarships for students in Cambodia. We've provided tutoring and after-school programs for at-risk children in Brazil through the shade and freshwater ministry of the Methodist Church of Brazil. We've opened a dialogue and support for Virginian native peoples as they seek autonomy and sovereignty, as well as offering opportunities in cooperation with the conference Native American Ministries team to provide a family camp. She says, lean away from fear and lean on God. Lean away from uncertainties and lean into the mission of your local churches. God is here, she says, and God is doing something immeasurably more than we know how to ask or imagine. I can hear Bishop Lewis speaking these words, and I can hear her asking, can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Work on it. <laughs> In addition to being grateful for the witness of these bishops, I'm also grateful to be reminded by other saints of how those voices in the Christian faith that may differ from the voices of you and me do not diminish our faith. These other voices bless our faith. I was blessed while in seminary to be a student of Dr. Elizabeth Ochtemeyer, a noted Old Testament scholar Dr. Ochtemeyer was also a gifted preacher, a gifted teacher of preaching. In her book, Preaching as Theology and Art, Ochtemeyer includes her sermon, The Riches of the Church. In this sermon, she offers words appropriate to the scripture from Ephesians, words appropriate for the gathering of the United Methodist Church in St. Louis. Speaking of the riches of the church, Dr. Ochtemeyer writes, the Christian church 
the body of Christ is as full and as rich as its head, and therefore it is made up of hundreds of different worship forms and traditions. The body of Christ is the Greek Orthodox with their mystery and mysticism and their communion of saints across the ages. The body of Christ is the Roman Catholics with their deep knowledge of the channels of grace. The body of Christ is the Lutheran at Mass and the Reformed searching his scriptures. The body of Christ is the Mennonite lifting hymns of peace and a cappella song. And the Moravian with his brass choir celebrating the love feast. The body of Christ is the black Baptist dancing out his praise and the Quaker waiting quietly for the illumination of the inner light. The body of Christ is all of those of every tradition who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is that universal fellowship which is as wide as the love of its master, which is as varied as the workings of his mercy, and which is as richly multitudinous as the unsearchable riches of his grace. Into such a body, she says, we have been baptized. And of that one body, you and I are members. And the fullness of its life is ours to know and to taste, to cherish and to appreciate. Let no one limit the Christian church. And let no one give it bounds except that of confessing that Jesus Christ is its living Lord and we are his servants. I know we carry some measure of anxiety regarding the conversations now taking place in St. Louis amongst our brothers and sisters from across the world. I doubt we envy them, believing this to be a difficult time for the church. But we do well to ask, has there ever been an easy time for the church? I'm not remembering that, and I'm old. I know I do not envy the Apostle Paul. We might think that being so close to the earthly ministry of Jesus, no more than 20 years removed from Jesus, that Paul and the church would derive benefit from such close proximity that there would not have passed enough time to corrupt or trouble the young church. But we read the letters Paul writes to the churches and discover that's not so. In the first chapter of his first letter to the church in Corinth, it's already evident. There is trouble in the church, and Jesus hasn't even been gone that long. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment? And then Paul asks, is Christ divided? It's a question to ask more than once in the life of the church. It's a question being asked in St. Louis. A question asked perhaps here. Is Christ divided? He's not divided here, is he? God forbid. Tell me, brothers and sisters, if we have not found reason to divide to this point in our ministry together, what is there yet to divide us? What is there? that would cause us to sacrifice the ministries we share, ministries taking place because we live according to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of us all, who is over all and in all and through all, might the truth be that we have more in common than we've ever suspected. And might the truth be that we come not to create unity, but to confess unity. Now it is true. We do not know what will or will not be decided at general conference. But ignorance of decisions yet to be made, not knowing how our life as a church will differ on the other side of February 26th, does not mean we adopt a posture of fear as the church. We remember, we are a church holding to its heart the words, fear not. Don't be afraid. So we do not fear, because we now know Jesus is always the Lord of the church, Lord of our lives. We do not fear, for we know that neither life nor death nor any other thing will ever separate us from the love of Christ revealed through God our Lord. We do not fear, for our God is a God of order, not chaos. Ours is a God who brought all creation into being by simply speaking his word. This is the God who brings order to the life of his church now and to the lives of all therein. We do not fear, for our God is a God of resurrection, overcoming all that would oppose him, triumphing even over death, calling you and me and all his people to share in this victory. We don't fear because we heard there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of us all who is over all and in all and through all. We don't fear because we know the promises of God and to know God keeps his promises. We don't fear because we remember what those who have gone before tell us. They say, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We don't fear because the dwelling place of God is with his people. We don't fear because we know that all now taking place in St. Louis is not going to change any of that. No, we may not know all that will take place these next few days amongst the United Methodist in St. Louis. But we don't fear it either. Because we know the presence of the one who is creator and sustainer of his church. We know the one who breathes life into this church every day, including today. We know the one who is always with us meaning now, and that's enough for us to know. We stand as we affirm our faith by way of the Apostles' Creed number 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth. As we stand, let us welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ.
we worship God as our ushers will come forward. We receive God's tithes at our offerings. Let us pray. Lord, you bless us, for such is your love for us, to share all blessings, even the gift of your Son. We wish to love you above all things, O God. So accept these gifts returned into your care and use them to bless all people. In Jesus' name, amen.
We share responsibly at this time in the prayers of the people, and we will begin this responsive time of prayer with this prayer as it is before us. This will lead us into the time of prayer in which I will name further petitions and conclude each with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and invite from you the response to hear our prayer. Also, for you to, to name any concerns or circumstances, persons you would like to name in this time of prayer. We go to God as we pray. <coughs> I am the vine, and you are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in me. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Abide in me as I abide in you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Love one another as I have loved you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, General Conference, Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy, and hear our prayers gathered with all your saints who are with us now joining their voices with ours, finding their place at your table. In Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. We stand as we sing.
seated. Again, this will be a brief celebration of the Lord's Supper. The one response you will be asked to offer is as we conclude, and you offer the response, Amen. And we remember as well, as our children have told us earlier, the bread is joy. Lift up your hearts and give thanks to God. Blessed are you, O God, who with your word and Holy Spirit created all things and called them good. In Jesus Christ, your word became flesh and dwelt among us. Through Jesus' suffering and death, you took upon yourself our sin and death and destroyed their power forever. You raised from the dead this same Jesus, who now reigns with you in glory, and poured upon us your Holy Spirit, making us the people of your new covenant. On the night before meeting with death, Jesus took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts, that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this wine, we may know the presence of the living Christ and be renewed as the body of Christ for the world, redeemed by Christ's blood until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at your table forever. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. We pray now as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. This is the table of our Lord to which each of you is invited to share in the body of Christ and in the blood of Christ. You'll come forward as led by our ushers. There will be two stations here. You will receive a portion of the bread. You're invited then to dip that bread into the cup that is held before you. And then as you feel led to kneel here at the communion rail for a time of prayer. I'm grateful for the help of John, Catherine, and Elizabeth Maxwell. And for Brady, if you'll come and assist me. And our choir will come first. Come to the table. Let us stand as we share victory in Jesus.
Wow. Yes, uh, folks, we are blessed. We are more blessed than we know to be able to gather and to worship as we have this morning and to look forward to a wonderful time of celebration. I hope to see you in the Fellowship Hall as we continue <coughs> this great day. And again, thank you, Brian and Terry, for being with us, and we'll look forward to you being with us again. What y'all doing next time? And we go, we go now in peace as those who have found our place at the table of our Lord assured that now and always we go in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>